allowed me to pursue different career directions that I would not have taken had I not really shared some of the accomplishments in my career with people who really don't know. You are now listening to Closer in Tech, the podcast created by the D2 Collective. This is Erica. And this is Nasti. The D2 Collective's vision is to make the tech world feel closer. This podcast aims to inspire you through the ever-changing world of tech. Meet Claudia. Claudia is a seasoned expert with 15 years experience bridging machine learning and human learning in tech, education and healthcare. She's delivered 250 plus workshop and keynotes in 20 plus countries, partnering with organizations like Medtronic and UNESCO. Claudia is a respected speaker on topics including machine learning in education, AI, medical tech, and women's career advancement. She's recognized as one of 365 inspirational Arab women for 2020 and actively promotes women's progress through various initiatives. She currently serves as Global Director of Education Strategy for Women in AI Think Tank. And today we'll talk about self-advocacy in the workplace. Claudia, can you share your personal experience with self-advocacy in the workplace and how it has impacted your career progression? Yes, thank you, Erica. I'm really honored to be here with you today. So um, I think I would start by saying I've been really practicing the skill um, of self-advocacy. Sometimes I succeed, sometimes I downplay my achievements, but you know, that's okay. It's the key really is to keep practicing. So to answer your question, self-advocacy has really um, allowed me to pursue different career directions that I would not have taken had I not really shared some of the accomplishments in my career with people who really don't know about it if I didn't share it. And we'll talk about strategies to do that in a thoughtful and strategic way. So one of my personal experiences that I remember is when I was pursuing a PhD program, I was shifting careers. So I was moving from the healthcare industry to get more uh, um, skills and expertise and knowledge in education. So I was really shifting industry. I really wanted to go into this, this program, build up my skills. And I remember I had a, a the program I had signed up. Uh, I had an advisor who was guiding me throughout some of the uh, paths that I can take. And I asked her whether I could take any research opportunities. So be paid for this while pursuing my PhD program. And that was under a particular program. And I remember she said, well, no one has done that yet because you aren't really in the PhD program. You're pre. So we'll, you know, we'll have to explore it. No one has done this yet. And speaking of, you know, supporters and having someone really believe in your achievements, my husband told me, ask right? If we ask the answer, if we don't ask, the answer is always no. So I reached out to an academic advisor, met with her, talked about my accomplishments, my achievements, and how and what the value I can bring to her program. And with this, it took a couple of iterations, but then I was able to be one of the few students enrolled in that particular program who did research work before a PhD program. So when I reflect, I think that was one of the turning points where I realized uh, this is really a valuable skill to have, an important one. And I'm looking forward to really expand on this with you. It's incredible because the story you, you just shared, it's really about how self-advocacy is an essential skill for professionals across, I think, different industries. Because, I mean, you have an example about, for example, doing the PhD, 
for me, like it happened in the workplace, working as individual contributor in a tech company. Um, do you have any other examples or like, what would you tell someone who says, oh, is it really essential for my career growth? Like, what would you tell them? Oh, yes. Is it essential for career growth? Well, let's start with first the absence of self-advocacy. It's really, really worth noting. There is a professor, um, Dr. Budworth, I think her first name is Mary Ellen. She, uh, in one of the articles, she mentioned that a lot of people are held back from careers, not because of their skill, their ability, or intelligence, it's simply other factors. There are a lot of other factors at play that can really affect a career track. So, and I want to I want to also talk about the cultural norm. So there's lo there's lots of cultural norms, especially for women, that you have to be modest. You have to downplay your achievements, otherwise you look like you're bragging, you're boasting. Again, we'll talk about some strategies on how to self advocate by being very strategic and thoughtful. Um, so is it an essential skill? It is indeed. And if to convince you even further, there is a, a book uh, that was published in 2003. Um, the name is Women Don't Ask Negotiation and the Gender Divide. Actually said, it gave a monetary no, like number for uh, how much if you don't negotiate, if you don't, you know, self-advocate, you can actually lose upwards of half a million dollars in lost wages uh, by the time you're a certain age. So this is really something that is worth just reflecting on. Don't think about it now. Think about it down the line in the next 30 years. How can you self-advocate in a way that helps you propel, move forward in your career? Of course, skill is important. Intelligence is important. Social norms, supporting others, and also the idea of self-advocating, sharing with people, what are your achievements? What have you done? Because if you don't share, no one's going to know. I love this. Um, a while back, we also did an event in Amsterdam on gender pay gap and salary negotiation tip. And one of the speakers actually shared, you need to have your own break book, like a little book where you're writing all of your achievements doesn't have to be on paper, like it can be just an email that you send to yourself every week. And then you use that. Of course, like we were talking about salary negotiation, but I think owning your own achievements, your own work is like a big part of self-advocacy. Um, there are yes. so many misconceptions. I mean, you also touched up a bit on them. Um, or like, I mean, barriers that people face mm -hmm. when it comes to self-promotion. Um, how can people overcome those challenges? Do you have any suggestion there? Yes, I, I, I love this question. I think the most, most common misconception is the fear of being perceived as arrogant or boastful, right? Um, we're both nodding because we know that this is really something that is a big fear in both men and women. Um, women tend to be really, like, inhibit this and, and, and not do that, while men still have that fear but tend to still share their accomplishments. So... Think about it. Self-advocacy is really sharing facts. It's sharing things that you have done in your career. And I really love this quote. One of my favorite books, you probably, of course, you know, know researcher Brene Brown. She, uh, in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, she says a beautiful quote that still sticks with me. She says, don't shrink, don't puff up, stand your sacred ground. So a good reminder, and I think this is actually very nicely linked to the idea of self-advocacy. Don't shrink, don't puff up, stand your sacred ground. Uh, 
Um, one other, since we're talking about misconceptions, one other misconception is um, not only um, extroverted individuals can succeed at self-promotion. If you're introverted, you can find different ways, different strategies, maybe through written communications, maybe through smaller group discussions or more intimate settings to talk with others in order to share your, your, your achievements and, and listen to others. I think really the key is being authentic, right? You highlight your achievements. You don't compromise your true self in a way that is very thoughtful and strategic. Um, and then one last, I say, I would say barrier, since we're also talking about barriers here, is the cultural norm. We have some cultures, like lots of Asian countries, um, there is, um, you know, being modest is encouraged. While in other countries, if you don't share achievements, you're immodest, you might look incompetent. So there's really that. It's worth reflecting on. I always like putting on my, you know, another hat and thinking, what does that mean in terms of other cultures? So that's just a, a bit of a summary of those misconceptions and barriers. Thanks so much for sharing. I can totally see myself in that. Like when we talk about like cultural norms, some gender norms for sure, like being a woman from Italy, I feel like sometimes, yeah, women have to shrink. Yeah. Um, and like, so I was never really, I never felt confident enough, you know, just to own like my achievements and I'm like, oh, you are so humble. And like being humble is, mm -hmm. is like, you know, it's like the greatest quality. And it's like, yeah, but I'm also like not, you know, like just really not underlining what I did because I did some of this stuff. And I think in the workplace, then right. it's really hard to make it shine. And I love those how you touch on like introvert versus extrovert, because if we think about self-advocacy or like self-promotion in the workplace, the first thing that comes to mind, at least for me, the first image is like, it's like very like extroverted person that's owning yeah. the floor, uh, getting involved in projects. And I think self-advocacy is more about just realizing what your worth is and just working your way okay how can I advocate for myself to reach my goals as you were mentioning not just one year down the line but 20 years down the line how what I do today is going to serve me in like 20 years Absolutely. um so now that we're jumping really a bit in like the the core of the topic can you provide some example of successful self-advocacy strategies that have helped professional advance their careers Yes. In fact, um, I, our listeners didn't see, you probably saw me smiling and nodding when you were telling me about the story of your, your colleague in Amsterdam who mentioned about recording achievements. This is always the number one thing I recommend in, in the workshops that I do on self-advocacy is maintain a record of your achievements. And um, when I was a former trainer, I used to travel a lot to give trainings in countries. And I used to have a travel book with me, a travel journal, uh, just to document all of those, you know, the feedback that um, participants would give me on my workshop, um, aside from all, you know, the, the, the exciting ideas that I would get. So document everything because it is, I don't know about you, but I really forget. There's so much going on, so much noise. I forget. So if I don't note down those contributions I'm doing, challenges I've tackled, uh, outcomes I've achieved, it's all going you know, they're going to be uh, lost. So then when it comes time for your performance review uh, or your discussion, you really have solid evidence of key instances in which you were able to contribute to something, achieve something, overcome a challenge. Um, I do something similar. Uh, actually, my mother-in-law uh, taught me this great uh, uh, idea called 
Cahier des Merveilles, which uh, translates loosely to the Book of Wonders, or you can call it the Book of Achievements. Very similar to what you were talking about, recording your achievements. Uh, I do it online. I have a label on my Gmail account that I call Cahier des Merveilles. And every time I have a very positive email from somebody or... Um, or if I had a workshop and I got feedback from participants, I label it. So when I'm ready, you know, for a discussion or when I just need to, to pump myself up, hype myself, I, I love looking through these and remembering what I've accomplished. So Can this I is one. Something? I mean, talking about yeah. hype, like I have something that's called the hype wall. And it's just, it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a digital wall. It's a digital yeah. wall that I'm using. And every time someone sends me like a nice message on LinkedIn or wherever or an email i'm just putting everything there and whenever i'm feeling a bit down and like i don't know i think we all go through some days where our goals feel like further than ever and we yes. feel like we're never gonna reach them and i'm like i need just a bit of you know like a bit of a warm hug and like just a confirmation that in the end like some people believe that i'm doing something good and impactful so sometimes just the achievements maybe may not be enough but having also like other people get the recogni recognition um also helps. I love that. I love that idea. Actually, I'm, I'm going to um, probably do it because it's always good to have a visual thing. I love, love that idea. Yeah. So this is actually a really good tool for your self-advocacy strategy, documenting your achievements, maintaining a record of all the wonderful things people are saying about you. And I'm sure you've done so much, Erica, that it's hard to keep track of. So definitely this. Um, one other example, if, if, uh, if I may, uh, is one other successful self-advocacy strategy is very simple. I use this in my workshops is how would you answer the question, how are you? How are you doing, Erica? So this is a very good opportunity to share with your colleagues, to share with your peers the exciting things you've been doing. So instead of saying, yeah, I'm fine, you can very, you know, very smart, very strategically say, oh, I'm doing well. I was asked to join the Women in AI think tank I'm, as, as a global director of education strategy. I'm really excited about that. And I'm looking forward to, you know, building partnerships and education partnerships. So now people know. And they're like, oh, we can connect you with this, this, this. People know what you're doing. People know what you're excited about. So sometimes just answering a simple, how are you question. So I would, you know, recommend listeners practice this with your friends, practice with your colleagues, see how it sounds. It's a great, really great way. Um, you and I probably know, you know, yeah. have heard multiple times about the elevator pitch, right? If you're in yeah. the elevator with your manager and he's asking something, you know, that 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 pitch, that that very brief statement of what you're doing. So this this is one thing that I like to also as as you know, it's a fun way to practice it. Yes, and I just love this. Like from my perspective, like it's been, there's like two or like three parts that are very important. So the first one is like understanding your story. I think most of us just go through life and through like opportunities that might be like jobs or our hobbies. Like it doesn't even matter what, you know? And we just go through and at some point we don't know what's the story behind. So just understanding, write everything down, write like recently I had to rewrite my LinkedIn summary and it was such a great exercise to say, okay, what, who am I? Like, this, like, who am I? Like, what is my elevator pitch? What do like people who land on my profile should read about me? Um, and it was a great exercise to really understand my story. And then I think the second part is owning it. Like, this is you, just this is the part. And 
whenever you're in the world and it's kind of set free, like tell your story to everyone. Like, I think also like sometimes we're very scared to share projects that are very early on or that where we haven't built that kind of like history of achievements or like bread book. But I think in the end, like it's really important just to get out and tell the story. I think with the Digital Collective, something we were doing is that we knew we wanted to work with like corporate and companies um, and help them, of course, like engage their communities. And what we did is that, okay, let's just tell people that this is what we're doing because we have the skills to do it. So we started telling that this is how we work. This is what we did. We do and, and, and this is what we did. And that's how eventually we actually got the first clients. So I wow. think it's also like so important, the power of just also believing in your vision and putting it forward, as you were mentioning. So I think this kind of advocacy goes in every conversation, you just say, this is who I am. This is what I do. And people are going to connect. You know? People are going to make connection. They're going to come forward. They're going to help. Um, yes. So one thing I really wanted to ask you, because of course, I'm feeling like so like, Feel fulfilled with pride now because we're talking about these and achievements I'm really hyped but of course like I know for many individuals that I also went through this it's really hard to try to balance um, showcasing one's accomplishment and also maintaining like humility and like teamwork in a workplace setting do you have any tips for that yes that's a fantastic question Erica it, it really comes up a lot in, in, in the workshops that I've given and here's, I always remind participants, think of it as three pillars. One pillar is listening, one pillar is supporting others, and then the other pillar is the self-advocacy. So the first two, listening, it is very important to practice listening to others, showing genuine interest, because that's where the power of connection comes from, is thinking of others before you think of yourself advocating for others before you advocate for yourself. And this is where pillar number two comes in, is practice supporting others in their endeavors. It's really crucial to strike that balance between showcasing your own achievements and being a team player. So very, very important way. Uh, and then self-advocacy. And you can do it very thoughtfully by acknowledging the collaborative aspects of your successes, right? Sometimes there are things that are really teamwork. Not to downplay your achievements here, but to acknowledge this collaborative aspect of success. Always, I always think of ways I can highlight my achievements and how they were made possible by the support, by the expertise of my colleagues. And this not only maintains humility that you know we're talking about and know that is important, but it also showcases our ability to work well within a team. So a very delicate balance. So again, looking at the three pillars being a good listener, supporting others, lifting others up, and then practicing self-advocacy. That's, I think, how I would, I would love to, you know, remember that, uh, the, those strategies. Absolutely, yes. And I love that you're mentioning how others are part of our self-advocacy plan, of our um, wellness plan. Like, in, in the end, it's about, like, wellness, well-being, like, being well in the workplace. And I think mm. it's working with others. Like, it really does take a community um, to get to results. So the teamwork um, is really important. So speaking about also like how other people have an impact on your self-advocacy journey, what role do like mentors and sponsors play in effective self-advocacy? And how can you find those people within an organization? Yeah, 
Um, great question. I, I would ask listeners uh, just to take a moment. And before I answer this question, have them reflect on mentors, sponsors they've had in their careers. Like really take time to think about it. They might find people who have supported them that, you know, they weren't really aware of. So think of, of, of those for a minute. And then to answer your question, they, it is, it's really important to have ment mentors, good mentors, good people who, who lift you up. They are like your cheerleaders. They're going to be there for you. Uh, a mentor is going to give you guidance, share experiences with you that they've been through, help you navigate challenges in the workplace. And I've had lots that I'm grateful for. Some I didn't always actively seek, but I'm so grateful that they have been there for me. And we, we go back full circle to the idea of um, being there for others, listening for others, being a team player that people would want to mentor you, right? Sometimes it's not only, only a one way where you need to go seek mentors, but mentors would love mentees who they can learn from, who can lift them up. So there's also that, that balance. Um, which brings me to, to probably a good way to remember it is think of how you can offer help before you ask people to help you. I think that's always something I, I really, really try to practice is genuinely um, offering help. If I'm really excited to be part of an organization, asking what help do you need and where can I bring my skills and help and then become part of this organization and then meet others rather than saying, okay, I need a job. I need to, you know, I need to get paid. I mean, so thinking of exciting ways that probably not always are, are paid opportunities, but ways where we can help others uh, before we are helped. So to go back to your, sorry, I digress, to go back to your question is, yes, they definitely play a very important role. They will, some of them will self-advocate on your part, and that is great. I mean, that is a very big achievement. If while you're not in the room, someone talks about your achievements, that is wonderful. So be that person, do the same for others. And slowly you'll build that culture and community of people advocating for each other, even when they're not in the room. I think that is something wonderful to have. Um, and yes, so actively seek opportunities for mentorship. Uh, it's really essential to build those, those strong relationships with leaders who can vouch for your abilities, very important in, in one's career, absolutely. Just to circle back to how you answered that first question and mm -hmm. telling the story about your PhD, what were some of the traits and characteristics that you found in that first like sponsor slash mentor? Um, just to close it off, because I, maybe like for some people it can be useful to know what kind of like, um, yeah, traits to look out for. Uh, when seeking a mentor? Is that yeah. your question? Oh, yes. Well, that is a great question. When you think about academia, it's different than industry, right? So I'll, I'll do my best to answer uh, both. In academia, sometimes if you are going to a PhD program, you want the advisor who is not close to retirement and you know is probably not as active as before or not someone who's starting off uh, 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 and really you know doesn't have the time for students. So I'm sure... It's important to there's there's these are there's lots of exceptions of course but it's important to think about this who do you want to work with the research might be exciting and also what type of relationship are you going to have with your advisor 
or that you that it's important for you to have with your advisor. So really something to think about uh, when you're looking at a research program. And in industry, I would say seek mentors that are outside of your um, department. So I was working in education, but I had a wonderful colleague in sales and marketing. I learned so much from them, so much. I'm not a salesperson and I don't have the skills, but my colleague really taught me. We were uh, uh, we worked as a team and I learned so much from them. And I, and I still reach out from time to time, even though I've left the job a long time ago. Um, we check in with each other. I ask questions. Uh, so seek other people who are, you know, interesting. Don't stay within your realm. Again, even bigger. If you work in the healthcare industry, seek people in tech. If you work in tech, seek people in, you know, in, in doing research on uh, yeah. things you would, in, on biology. This will really expand your mind and bring even opportunities to think of challenges in different ways. So have mentors from other, yeah, yeah other areas. Absolutely, like they kind of not stay in your lane, but just go out, burst your bubble and just, yeah, yes. and just explore. Um, thank you so much, Claudia, for being with us today. I have one last question for you. And it's like, if anybody uh, was listening now wants to connect, where can they find you? Absolutely. Uh, you can connect with me on my LinkedIn profile. I hopefully will have a, a way to share. So it's uh, Claudia Ramley. I would love to reach out, connect, meet new people, uh, see how I can help, how I can connect you with others. So definitely I think the best way would be LinkedIn. and We can take it from there. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Erica. This was wonderful. Such a wonderful conversation. And, and I'm very excited to keep listening to all the awesome podcasts that you're producing. Thank you for listening to Closer in Tech, a podcast created by the D2 Collective. We are on a mission to make the tech world feel closer. If you're new here, the D2 Collective is a global value-based membership community for those working in tech. Our members get access to a growing network of inspiring and talented individuals regular meetups in the major European cities, and additional content to unlock their personal and professional growth. If you want to be part of it, head to the d2collective.community. Thank you for listening.